Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. This is episode number 142 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, broadcasted right here in beautiful Sherrard, Illinois. We are at 1600 Buckslayer Place. This is the Buckatorium. My name's Steve. In the studio today, we've got Kurt. Hello. Eric. Good morning. Had to turn around to look at you, and it is not morning. Believe me, I wouldn't be doing this if it was morning. Clark Cummings. Hello. One half of the... Mile Tine Club from Respect the Game TV. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem. And the drop tine of the one half of the Mile Tine Club from Respect the Game. Also appeared on Respect the Game, Matt Cummings. Kill the biggest deer in here? Has yeah. Matt yep. officially yep. killed a bigger deer oh, than you, Clark? Say that again. Has he killed a bigger deer than you to yes, this he point? Has. Mm. <laughs> I was trying to ignore that, but. <laughs> hey, there you go. What's that? He actually huh? did. Huh? Nah, I don't know. What I think we all have our phones set up. We're doing a Facebook Live, um, so if anyone submits anything, hopefully it... Uh, is it coming through all right? Yeah, I think so. Wonderful. Um, people probably hate, like in podcast land, probably hate when we do Facebook Live, but people on Facebook Live love the Facebook Live. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming again. Don't know why you keep coming back, Clark, but you do. 
I just can't keep away. Do we got a, what's going on? Do you have volume on your phone? Someone's oh, voice. Just, is that mine? <laughs> it might have been. Probably. I don't know. Could have been mine. <laughs> all the technical difficulties are. Uh, it's all good. We'll see. Okay. I think we'll, we'll get it going. Go so, ahead, Steve. Continue on while I work through our technical. There we go. We got it. We're getting through out. everything. It's a, uh, you got to love technology. Speaking of loving technology, the technology on the new Elite Bows is the best in the business, and that's money. Elite Archery is is bringing you the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast. We're super excited. You and Eric have got some cool things to talk about. I don't got anything quite cool yet, but uh, once you... Uh, it's getting there. Now, I got my temple all set up, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to order new fletchings already, like day two. I was shooting at the same dot because it's super satisfying when you tune in a bow for the first time. It's like you want to shoot and see your group. And I was just <laughs> breaking knocks, and I had to uh, order new fletchings. And so I got basically a weekend full of fletching arrows coming ahead. I shoot a pretty thin diameter arrow, and I was hitting them off each other. I'm like, if I I didn't Robin Hood it, it'd be pretty hard to do, but I busted off a bunch of knocks. I got There's one I got to drill in and pull the knock out, oh, yeah. and uh, so that'll be fun. Eric's isn't set up yet, but he's, he's yeah, got Yeah, I don't have a cool story like that, but I just got mine, so we're going to hopefully have it set up here real soon. Super cool. We'll talk about that here in yeah. the episode a bit. Um, also, Scent Crusher, uh, we got to thank Dan from Scent Crusher, great guy uh, from the closet, the Ozone Go. Um, great company. Check out ScentCrusher.com, HHA Sports, uh, Leader, and Single Pen Sites. Go check them out as well. Um, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Yes, sir. Um, here local, Viola, Illinois. Um, we take all our deer there, um, from meatloaf to sausage, everything. He's got it all covered. He's on vacation right now, by the way. He's well he deserved. He deserves it. He and deserves he, it. He's, well he's, deserved. he's taking a few weeks off and then, um, possibly expect, uh, old Scott himself to be in studio for another podcast. So. Right. So let's get on with the show. We got a lot to cover. We're on Facebook live. We, I know you, got, what do you, what do you got? I got a, uh, in, so we're, uh, for our vet shout out, we're going to do dark horse lodge. They're starting to break ground on that. Guys, go check out darkhorselodge.org. It's a peaceful retreat for combat vets. Again, they started breaking ground. A lot of people are helping out. It's going to be it's a great cause. If you want to donate to them, if you're just going to buy anything on Amazon, go to Amazon, no, smile.amazon.com, and then you're going to select Dark Horse Lodge, and a portion of those proceeds are going to go straight to those guys. So I right just on. wanted to let you know. Clark, Thank thanks you. for coming back again. We got a lot to cover yeah. with this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Turkey season is well, it's technically here. Yeah, youth season started up last weekend here in Illinois. So yeah, uh, they added an extra weekend this this year. So so it's two, two weekends. Now? Yeah, so it'll be up again on Saturday. So how'd weekend one go? Well, Matt's not mic'd up, but uh, I can tell the story for you. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> let's hear it. Let's start it off with this. I, uh, it, I may or may not have heard this story. Well, and it may or may not have anything to do with Matt sitting in the blind with a pretty little girl, but, mm-hmm. ooh, but uh-huh. well, <laughs> he says that's not it. So It's a good no, thing he's he, not mic'd up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's he's pretty quiet. He's turning red over here, but no, we, <laughs> we had a... It was a lousy weekend, nasty, rainy. Uh, so naturally, we tried it anyway because that's what we do. Right. But um, we went with Logan Partlow. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. From Last Breath, she went with us and uh, wanted to kind of hang out. And she's going to do some more turkey hunting on her own this year. So she come along because Garrett was in Nebraska. Oh, right. So right. she come along with us and uh, sat in and run second camera angle for us and awesome she did a great job 
her and Matt were in the blind. I was outside from a different angle and uh long story short we had some birds come in after a couple hours of no gobbling and they they right. ended up coming in and matt made his first ever miss on a turkey so oh <laughs> but he he just barely missed but i i think he was a little torqued on his setup just how he had his chair oh right, if, right. If you always try to figure out what went wrong and i i think that was the the issue he just you got to miss sometime, Matt. I'm sorry, yeah. buddy, but you got to. But he shoot did, he from a ground it. blind, too, that's always, like, one of the toughest things ever because you got a small window, and you got to yeah. position yourself just right. And, it's like, and you're in front of a pretty girl, and that's what I think. It's fun <laughs> to blame it on anyway, but he, that, he says that's not it. That so. is fun. We're, we're friends with Logan, and uh, it just happens, Matt. You know, Steve gets all weird and stuff when she's in here in the studio <laughs> to talk about stuff. and So it's just, it's just what it is. I did see her that weekend, though. <laughs> did you? Yeah, actually, so I, I shot her a message. I was like, hey, what are you doing in my neck of the woods? And she's like, oh, I just got done hunting with Clark and Matt. And I was like, oh, how'd that go? You know, trying to get the inside scoop. Yeah. But, hey, you know. <laughs> well, I think what we should do, let's talk a little bit about food plots first, and then we'll break into turkey. Well, I want to talk about bow setups and then merge into turkeys. Yeah. Um, so we can cover food plots in a lot of detail. Or we can cover it in not so much detail, but I feel like first, before we skip everything we're about to skip over, we need to say one thing first about the show. Um, right now, if you get on, which maybe you should say this, Clark, because you haven't yeah. been in the studio, on uh, Lynch Mob Calls, mm-hmm. we're doing, for this episode, a promo code for 15% off Working Class 15. Yeah. Yep. So if you get in there, you get 15% off the calls. It's it tis the season. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Order away, so. people. Got some really awesome products there, so definitely give them a check out. Um, they're for sure. All the different pot calls, the box call. I, I love the diaphragm calls. I mean, it's they're they're top of the line. So go may give we hear? Let's do it. Here, I mean, what hey, do you want to hear? Go ahead. Uh, show me. <laughs> yeah, we'll, show me the intimidator. We, yeah, we might as well. We'll the cover some turkey calls yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're jumping this all is, around. This is just the box call. Of course, it's live, so I guess I can show you and not just tell you about it. But um, this one I just got, so I haven't really played with it a whole lot yet. Right. But, um, it's a one-sided, but really nice. <laughs> Well, how that sounds over the mic, but it's uh, ear pitching. Good, yeah, <laughs> raspy old hen. Yeah, raspy. So I, I like to have a box with me all times, just because if it's windy or you're looking for that gobble, right? That you just sometimes you can't get them struck up, and that box call just has that certain pitch that you can, yeah, reach out and hit them, and it'll shock them into calling, right? Or gobbling back at you. So and there's something kind of classic about like a good box call too. Yeah, like they're almost like I don't know what it is. It's just nice to have a box call. I don't know. It's yeah. just one of those things. It's just a classic hunting call, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think so. I, I like to run a box with my hands and I, I run my diaphragm. I'll get the dueling hens going sometimes, so, mm-hmm. which we can talk more about that later, but yeah, we can sure, get into uh, that and everything. Sure. Um, yeah. and then also we'll get into this more later too. In detail, we'll mention now at the beginning, um, solid broadheads, uh, the decaps free shipping right now, free shipping. Yeah. And that's, that's a nice deal. You can get order them direct. It's, um, uh, I believe solid broadheads.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look them up on, on the internet you'll find them and it's free shipping so if you've never shot a solid decap uh, definitely give them a try you'll you'll be super impressed with the durability uh, a little more money but 
a lot of the others are one shot broadheads when you're talking decaps. So yeah, right there again, we'll touch on that. We start getting into setup and everything. We can you can double up and save yourself some money. Working class people, there it is, fifty percent off, and then free shipping. No one likes to pay shipping. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just just how it is. Um, All right, let's cover food plots. We can do it very briefly. Um, Something we kind of we cover with you. It's gonna. I guess this is our first year when we're gonna cover this, but. uh, it, it's getting to be that time, and who know, some people probably already have their food plots rocking already. I, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about food plots, and that's probably the that's same. That's why spiel. we have Clark on, yeah, <laughs> so we can find out about them. What um, what's like your general food plot setup, and then uh, basically, so what we have is like what areas work best for you as far as what you want to plant. Um, you know, every situation's different. Uh, right now. I'm doing a lot of prep work, uh, getting all all my grain plots like soybeans, corn, sorghum, any of that stuff. I'm working up all that stuff, getting getting all the ground ready, uh, spreading any lime that I want to spread for the year, uh, fertilizing, getting getting the all the prep work ready. So when it comes time, I can just hit it real quick with the disc and then plant it. So, sure, um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, the clover. I'd say it's not too late to do a, a frost seeding. Um, a few weeks ago would have been the best time, but mm-hmm. any of your clover plots. Um, and what's a frost seeding? Frost seeding would be uh, basically you're going to go in and overseed an existing plot. Like if you have a, a say you're running in a, just a straight Ladino clover from last year or something, and you want to, it, it was getting a little weak or a little mm-hmm. weedy or a anything. Thin or something. Yeah, just go yeah. in there. Um, a true frost seeding is when the ground's still frozen, uh, and ideally with a little skiff of snow or even quite a bit of snow, and and you're going to just spread it right on top of that. Uh, on top of the snow? Yeah, you can spread it oh, right really? on the snow, and then as the snow's melting and the ground's freezing and thawing, it's just kind of pulling that seed yep. right in, and sure. uh, it greens up really nice. It's a, it's a good way to extend your plots. Like instead of getting three years, you might be able to run them for six or seven years if, if it goes well. Wow. And uh, I feel just, like that's something not a lot. I mean, I'm not deep into the food plot game, but mm-hmm. is that a fairly common thing that people do, or is that not so common? Or it is if if you do a lot of reading. I mean, that's what a lot of the guys that really kind of know what they're doing. They'll mm. they'll they'll do a lot of frost seeding and just uh, you're going to go in at about probably half the rate uh, that you would normally seed, and just basically you're just kind of filling in the gaps and. Just broadcast it right over your existing stand to extend the life of it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's. I used to be able to do food plots. Now my setup now I no longer can. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I, I didn't even know about. Yeah. And that's even with doing like food plot research online. I, I never. Maybe I just looked in the wrong areas or overlooked that spot. But I was never informed on frost seeding. I, I knew about it now later, but I've never heard. I, I you know what I mean. Never actually talked about it with someone. So, yeah. Super interesting. I feel like that. That's probably a pretty good tip for someone wanting to get the most out of a plot. Yeah, if you're looking to get the most out of your plot, that's definitely a, a good way. And you don't have to do it every year. Even every other year helps. Um, just get in there and get a little seed on it. Um, it. It just it really makes those gaps and holes where you would normally get weeds, kind of fills things in, gives you that <coughs> carpet look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right, for sure. It's a nice way to do. Um, here's a good one. So where do you get your seed? Um 
and and what normally would you buy going into it? Man, that's a great question. Who wrote that one up? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I plan a little bit of everything. So um, as far as oh, there's there's a a bunch of different clover mixes I like. So since it's spring, we'll talk clover right away. But uh, Imperial's a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Arrow Seed has a, a really nice clover blend. Uh, there's there's a few different ones that that the guys always like to use. I I like any Ladino based, and I like I like clover more in the lowland. Um, I like alfalfa if mm-hmm. you're more in the up upland or a really sunny, more dry area. I'd, I'd rather have alfalfa. Mm-hmm. It's a little more picky for the pH, mm-hmm. so you gotta gotcha. make sure your soil's right for it. But well, so was this all like trial and error stuff? You've been doing this over the years, yeah. Kind of just yeah. It's it's mostly just trial and error and reading and just uh, you find out what works and what right. what doesn't, but. Uh, you can't hardly beat alfalfa or clover for a year round. Everybody says, "Well, what would you plant if you could plant one thing?" It would probably be one of those two. If I could only plant one, just because it kind of covers you know, most of the seasons. Right. Yeah. There's some gaps comes where it's not early. as as attractive, but mm-hmm. um, it comes up early and stays late. I mean, yeah, yeah, yep. It's a good all year round. Yeah. All right. We actually wrote out show notes for this episode. So, um, where 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 are we at? How many plots can you? How many food plots can you plant in one weekend? I don't know what Steve's. <laughs> hey, I just I want to get to know the man, Clark Cummings. It, like, it depends if, you, if I'm planting. Uh, if I've got all my prep work done, oh, I'd say ten is a pretty achievable number. But uh, it depends if you're if you're starting from scratch. It's uh, it's really hard to get more than just a couple done. Still, there we go. Yeah, there still rocking. Yeah, that's. Uh, I like radishes in in with my turnips. Uh, okay, we're back in action oh. here for back now. In action. Right. If so, it goes out, we'll just have to reset the old Facebook Live and get moving. Uh, Clark is a bad omen, apparently. I am a yeah. bad omen. <laughs> I'm a bad um, seed. Bad seed for the food plot here. <laughs> um, but the turnips, you'll notice the turnips go. become attractive a lot later. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always. When they're first greening up and they get to three or four inches tall, they usually nip at them pretty good then. Mm-hmm. And then, again, they'll nip at them uh, later, oh, closer to shed drop time. So I like to have them that. Uh, any good snow, if you get an early snow, Matt shot his Big Ten. Uh, it was first shotgun season, wasn't it, last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was night and day difference. It was They weren't touching the turnips. We got six inches of heavy snow, mm-hmm. and they were in there the next day. They were all over. And it, there was tons of them in there, yeah. That's amazing. And the other thing I've noticed with turnips, a lot of people get really frustrated uh, when they're planting the turnips because they don't immediately start using them. But it's almost an acquired taste, and I have no idea why. And it I've can heard be, that a lot, too, especially yeah. in the Midwest area. I mean, they said it's kind of a different thing because it's not really around here that much. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to ask is, you know, I remember we planted turnips, me and my dad did back in the day, and they, I didn't think they ever touched them. And I've heard that, too. Like, oh, they got to find them and learn. Is that true? Learn what yeah. they are? Yeah, we had a farm. One farm was three miles from another, and on one farm they loved the turnips. That I don't know it was just a certain doe group that started and then pretty soon more followed and mm-hmm. and there would be 20 or 30 on that field 
in just a small acreage, you'd watch them ripping them out of the ground and like throwing them up over their backs and everything else. I don't know what they were doing, but really? it's like they was playing in them. They loved them. <laughs> and then you go down the road three miles and it's a beautiful stand of turnips and nothing's touching them. It's like the mall walkers of the dough world, man. They just, <laughs> they got their own thing going on. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it, but hey, it's there. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but we just about gave up. We did that for three years in a row on that farm. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just started devouring them at that farm, too. Hmm. So it's just like that little group of deer needed to find them and decide they liked them. But now, is now it we plant them every year again. Is it because it's in the dirt? Like, do you need to go through and pull out one every so many feet and, like, cut it in half or something I, like that? You know what I mean? To get it, them to... Maybe. Oh, would that be considered baiting, though? Yeah, that might be. I don't know. That might Anything be, that's yeah. not a natural that, farming practice. So. Well, I, I, I would say no. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, would, I would guess that. But like that, just that, that's so weird how that line could be drawn. Yeah, right we'll just there. say it was the deer. Yeah, it was. It was totally the deer with a razor sharp <laughs> knife. I, I would yeah, say that's right not now. baiting, but I guess no, if probably not. A farmer picks corn, and his grain cart driver spills a little bit of corn, and you hunt over that spilled corn pile. Is that baiting? No, Ew. I don't think so. I think you're good on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but to I guess, prove that it's like, yeah, that's yeah, a I fine mean, line to be walking. Yeah. I would say no. I don't think you would is. say no. The corn is there anyway. Yeah, no, I would I'm, say no. Yeah, but um, that's the 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 whole brassica blend is it, it's a different. But when I started adding radishes, I noticed I got a lot earlier uh, action out of the whole brassica blend. Uh, See, and that's so, so weird to me. Like deer like radishes because they can be. Radishes can be hot sometimes. Oh, yeah, they can. They can get well, a little kick to them. Yeah. It, it, but you, maybe not to them, though. I mean, I guess they, yeah, they have I a different palate, know. I guess. Right? Yeah, have, yeah. have you guys seen this? Uh, I know you guys have seen it. Have you at at Tyson's? They have, like, if you go back, and I'm sure other places Thesons. have it. The, the Thesons. It Thesons. Uh, <laughs> if you go there, they have this section where it's, like, um, like, if you ever go to a health food store and they've got, like, all the different selections where you, like, do almonds or whatever... But they have like you can make your own mix, your own food plot mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I thought there's there a was bunch the... of different dispensers there. It's pretty cool. And I was like, you know, how much? How, it is cool. How much? You know, do you? You mean you, you just gotta go and be like, ah, maybe I'll try a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, <laughs> or you can give like, you know, when you were a kid, you used to do the like the suicide where you do every fountain pop. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if like the deer would look at it and be like, nah. No, I think the variety's good. You think so? Uh, I think so. Can what? one can one crop hurt another crop in a, in a blend like, like that? Too much of a good thing? Yeah. I would say yes, because some stuff grows faster than others, so then it yeah. shadows oh, yeah. over them, yeah. and then they don't have that chance to get the sunlight to grow. Yeah, probably. That but makes sense, but... I didn't you got to watch I, your I mean, ratios. You don't want to... And that's <clears> another <throat> thing with the whole brassica blend. You don't want to overseed it. Give it plenty of room. Yeah in between because mm-hmm. they are going to grow big if you if you don't overcrowd them because i'm sure that's like i mean i've done it before where it's like okay i need a lot of seed because some of it's not going to grow but sometimes that's right. going to be a bad thing yeah, what, what clark what would you say what percentage of deer that you harvest and, and map do you kill over your food plots uh i would say maybe as far as right on the food plot, probably a smaller percentage because a lot of times we won't, until it's late season, we generally don't hunt right on our food. Mm-hmm. We're usually hunting a transition in between. I want them to get there and be happy. Right. So I don't want to constantly be there boogering them up. Putting pressure um, on the actual food plot itself. Right. Yeah, yeah right. I want them. That's like their happy zone for, for <clears> me. So, But when it gets to be late season, uh, you got to get to the food because they're going to 
come out, and that's right where they're headed. So, um, two, uh, but two, late season oh, we do kill them over over the food. We've killed I don't know quite a few. Um, but was the big boy on food? The one ninety sixer. It was that was a cut uh, beanfield. beanfield this year. Just and that was just a and that has aired already on Sportsman's Channel. Yeah, oh yeah, a little while back, and and that was just one of them deals where you scouting and and just we found that deer three days before he shot him and uh, happened to be on our spot. So right, um, we have two questions. Facebook Live. Uh, Terry says. Uh, what do you think? I have to pull the phone closer. What do you think of all the Midwest farmers starting to plant turnips as cover crop? Could that change how deer in the Midwest use turnips since there is such an abundance of them? Well, that's there's two things about that. Um, some of the cover crops, I've looked at what's in them, and some of them are not necessarily the the best as far as the deer forage goes. They're, they're using stuff that's wanting to maximize nitrogen input so they haven't really researched it like some of the food plot companies like you go to arrow seed they've they've researched that um, imperial uh, whitetail institute actually right they research stuff that tastes for deer mm-hmm. and they're basically doing taste tests and strips and everything else so uh, it's like what, but, what what the deer prefer over this test plot over this right. test plot for right it makes right sense. And the other ones they're they're going on uh the ones that will actually break up the ground more and and add more nitrogen that's kind of the, the traits they're looking for not saying that they're not still attractive because right they are yeah um, well, we, we, a different purpose for each yeah type of crop but that's something i would have never would have thought about yeah until that question got brought up and you explained it that way so but that makes sense though. and it it sounds far-fetched that deer might like something better than the other thing but they it really is true i mean if I've had stuff where I've watched them in my food plots in a mix and they go to the one spot every time. And that's mm. even difference between the different food plot companies. And it's just the variety that they're using. Most right. of it you can find on the back of the label what what they're using. And that's when I develop my own mixes, I kind of picked out which ones I've right. noticed that they're hitting harder than yeah. the others. So. It's like Gardettos, man. You know, you want the right chips. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> it's just, yeah, stop selling me all this junk. Just sell me the whole bag. Oh, the whole bag's here. <laughs> sell like hotcakes. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good analogy, <laughs> really. Is. It's but, a guess and check, really, when yeah. it comes to food plots. But it's fun. I, I wish I had more area to to test. The, I guess the extent of what I could do now is throw out some clover. or I mean, what would you recommend to someone who's like, well, I can't make a plot i have nothing i can work with i can't work up the ground what would you recommend if i was, if I was doing something like that i would probably do a fall plot mm-hmm. and uh because mostly if if you're in that situation you probably don't have access to a lot of equipment to maintain mm-hmm. clover you really need to keep it mowed um at least on the major holidays about three times a year like memorial day fourth of july and again on labor day that's a good uh, yeah, and only on those days. Anything well, else? Only time yeah. you can mow it. That's no. it. Yeah, if, if you, you do can, it a day before, day before, day after, I'll, I'll let that slide. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's just a good rule of thumb. Just uh, and if your deer are keeping a mowed off, then mm-hmm. you really don't have to. I kind of watch for when they're flowering and they're starting to mature. If they're starting to get that crispy, waxy look, and they're starting to either that or if you see weeds getting. Uh, that I'll break the rule if I see a certain weed that's coming strong. I'll just chop mm-hmm. it, especially the broadleaves. Most of them you can tr- control the broadleaves with mm-hmm. mowing. Interesting. That's Grass, a- not so much. but That's a good tip. I'm learning some stuff here. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've heard a lot, too. Like, a lot of people will just cut in front of their stands, you know, like a certain radius just around their stand. Yeah. 
where the clover's still coming up on the outside, but they have fresh stuff coming up mm-hmm. around their stand. Yeah. And I go one step further. I, I've done that, and then I've also fertilized right around my stand. So you still got a full food plot that's uh, right, right, sure, that's <laughs> there. So they can kind of feed around, but the the promised land is right there in front of your stand. Yep. So that's where they're kind of that, that's a good idea it. too. Um, always spread a little extra around. Full my of these stands. tips, Clark. Full. <laughs> now does um, that's why we're here actually. <laughs> does, does it? Do you always look at what farmers like? You know, or if there's areas that have tillable, you know, um, acreage mm-hmm. right connecting to you, do you look and see what they plant? What they're going to plant that year? Will that determine yeah. what you're going to plant there, too? Like, if they're doing beans over here, you know you're going to change this mix? I mean, do you look at that a lot? I do. Um, I, I kind of paid attention to what's around me all the time. And if uh, if there's no soybeans around and I've got the only soybeans, I'm going to I'm gonna have a lot of deer through oh, the yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. The other thing you got to watch for that is you're also going to have to realize that you're going to get mowed off a lot heavier. If you've got a, a two-acre soybean plot, and it's the only soybeans around you're going to get mowed off so you kind of got to be ready for a contingency plan too on that so which if if you get mowed off on your soybeans say they take them down half and it's just they've knocked all the leaves but there's still quite a few pods that's when i'll go back in and spread like a brassica blend uh, late july just right into my soybeans let them take it's gonna it's gonna be a lesser rate it's not you're not gonna get 100 percent on your growth Mm mm-hmm which you don't really want anyway. I just kind of spread them through it and let them come up. But I, that's probably been one of my most attractive food plots is when you have a, a good uh, soybean or a mild soybean mm-hmm. stand with brassica mixed in. Interesting. I so. uh, I saw this. Uh, there's these videos of these guys, and they were, they were planting their plot, and then they put electric fence around. Mm-hmm. And they would take it down. You know, it was, it was for a food plot for deer. So then they would take it down when it grew up, and my thing was how how deer hitting it too that way as well, right? The guys normally fencing like a section. Yeah. yeah, and I was you know it it was kind of a curious thing because I was thinking, man, if them deer keep trying to come there, they could be getting shocked. Uh, you know, it's like raising the price of McChickens, man. You keep doing that, <laughs> I'm going to stay away. I'm going to go find yeah. something else elsewhere. Like that's a. I, I, it, if it you're was hungry enough, if you're hungry enough, see if you're going to go there. I guess, but it was a it was a very curious thing to me. I, I don't know if you've ever experimented with that. They'll they'll respect. Uh, we did fence, um, and we did it more for cattle. But we, I had this theory. I thought I'm going to pull the fence right before deer season, but I did not want the cows in there. I didn't even care if the deer could get in because I thought I'm going to. I want it for later season. Well, what I did is I had a hot wire, two strand hot wire the whole way around it. And some deer were hopping, but some were staying out. Um, but like I say, I was trying to control the cattle. But when I opened the gate, it, it was like they respected that hot wire. When I opened that gate, it was just opening the floodgates. They went right in and out of there. So if you if you could take that as a, a tip, if you if you hmm. did take the time to fence a, a plot, you put your gate near your stand. Oh yeah. Because they'll start well, using those, it right I as mean, soon as you open. You don't even have to take the rest of the wire down. Just shut the. That's the biology off. 101. They're really? going to find the easiest yeah. path in there. Yep, they'll find out. Sense. It's like they they know that that's over there. They want to eat it, but they just kind of respect that fence. Sure. Hmm. So that's wow, that's it. I'm picking up a lot from this. I'm I'm going to really push and try and like get permission to put in like my own plot and area. Yeah. Can, can food plots? I don't know if you know if this is a dumb question or not. 
I'm hoping there's a lot of people that don't know. You'll know after he asks it, though. Yeah. <laughs> is, can, uh, well, I'm kind of realizing as I'm about ready to ask it. Can a food plot be considered CRP in any way? Mm. Uh, there's CRP programs that take in food. Uh, like, we're in a CREP program in one of our farms. And that, mm-hmm. under the program we're in, we've got to put, by a government contract, we have to put 5% of that into food. Oh, okay. Uh, the other thing you can do is if you have fire breaks for oh, your okay. native yeah. grass, mm-hmm. you can plant your fire breaks to clover or anything green that, as long as you just describe that as a fire break. So, I mean, you can mm. pick up extra food plots Which in your CRP. It's just oh, a really? path around the CRP. Right. Yep. Yep. And they yep. might even send one right down the middle. Again, yep. if you can plan that to your tree stand, I mean, you could really use that to your advantage. Man. And again, that would be one-on-one. They're going to take go. the easiest path. <laughs> yep, right down your little clover strip right to your stand. Yep. Wow. Do you do, <laughs> yeah. you do that? Do you utilize that, any of that? Yeah, we do. We did that. Um, we kind of had to spell it out when we were writing our plan with the government, and I just kind of – there's some things I would have done different if I was doing it today. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been 15 years ago, but sure. if I was mm-hmm. doing it today, I would – I would definitely plan my fire breaks just a hair different for, for <laughs> yeah. the bigger trees where you could, because right. ours kind of come out where there's some trees and you can get in them, but it's not ideal. They're about but, this big around. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're in there like leaning, like, it'll work. <laughs> I've killed deer out of trees like that. You're just oh, like, this yeah. sucks. I'll have to be on my tiptoes the whole time, but it, it'll it'll work. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big boy. I got to pick a very special tree for me to get up in. <laughs> I'm going to use this question on Facebook Live for a transition, and we're going to get into some turkey stuff. Um, Corey LaRose, how do I get one of those awesome solids hats like Clark is wearing? Well, I'll tell you what, you go to solidbroadheads.com and they've got free <laughs> shipping on their decaps, so <laughs> you yeah. might as well buy one and buy one on the website. Are they on there? That's it. He's actually a friend of mine, so yeah. Ooh, he's I giving can, you crap, uh, huh? it's just, these are for a special crowd. Oh, oh yeah. Those are special edition hats, huh? Yeah, you got to be able to really shoot a bow good to get these hats. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get that so, you, so uh, Matt, do you have one? Yeah. Oh, he oh, has okay. one. Of course. Yeah, he, Hey, wait, wait. Well, I you, actually you got two, a, and I gave him one. So. Yeah, and you, oh. and you brought us all one, right? <laughs> yeah, I brought you guys all one. I mean, it's just a – it's the in crowd gets them. Yeah, so. just, you got you to gotta, you gotta know somebody. It's how you do it. Keep no, chipping sure away, you Corey. Can, you'll get there. Yeah, that's right. One day. No, he's like a 300X. Or 358x shooter, so he's hey Corey, want to do a podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's good, you know. He he helps me set up all my bows. He's he's good, awesome, awesome. really good. So that could be a good podcast. Yeah, we'll have to make some up. connections that way. Um, let's he's talk elite guy. Ooh, hey, fit right in. Yeah, we're, we're, we can talk elites, then we can talk turkeys. Yeah. What do we want to do here? Because I'm I'm pretty amped up about my bow. I didn't want to. Yeah, you are. We talk about everything. Whatever you guys lead me into. Well. Let's talk Don't about say elite. That to Steve. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, that's pro wrestling. Go. Yeah, let's talk oh, pro wrestling. Hey, WrestleMania is this weekend. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, um, go this, figure. Uh, this segment of the podcast is going to be brought to you by One Sixty Four Outdoors. Give Ross a call. The there other we... half of the Mile Time Club. Yeah, Do you want, um, we'll we'll put his phone number out there. So give One Sixty Four Outdoors a phone call. 309-221-2425. He's in the Monmouth, Illinois area. It's on his sticker, so I can give that number away. I didn't know we were doing the plug. I was like, all right, ready to move on with the conversation. Nope. We're doing the plug. <laughs> you just kept pushing through. Um, what bow are you going to shoot this year, Clark? I am going to shoot the Tempo. Ooh, and, nice uh, choice. Let's talk like, color and everything. Yeah, yeah. let's hear it. Color, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, 
it's going to have some <laughs> real tree in Blended. it, but I can't decide. Probably just the limbs. I might go with uh, one of the shades of brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to put me a nice winner's choice custom string on there. So uh-huh. I'm thinking neon green or something. So that I haven't good. I haven't figured out exactly, but that's that's the route I'm going. I'm, so you're going to set up your bow around your string, is what you're saying? Kind of, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what's what? going on. Yeah, no, I, I need it to look good because I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> people want to talk turkey, but I will say All I'm right. shooting the brown tempo. I call it bronze. Yeah, because it's it's a bronze beauty. Mm-hmm. That's what I call her. You yeah, know, bronze beauty. That's a good looking bow. She's uh, I love it. I'm I haven't even had it. A, two weeks yet and i'm already i just it, it's been killing me because the last four days it's been pouring rain and i don't have anywhere indoor close to shoot you should come down with us where's that where you Gelsberg. indoor yeah. 3d indoor we just ended 3d but we can go shoot the wall <laughs> so oh, really but it's still fun yeah we can oh, shoot yeah. 40 what 40 yards in there inside oh, yeah well i had no idea yeah come down sometime we'll, we'll yeah i'm gonna it's, do it you guys ought to all come down Yes, definitely. We can probably even talk to the big guy at the range and maybe, if he hasn't moved the targets yet, get something set up. So, Ooh, this is interesting. This could be a like a a working class bow hunter Indoor. 3D shoot. This would be pretty cool. We could do that. We'll make like invite like an invitational. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to know a guy. Yeah, they're passing out free <laughs> solid broadhead hats. Yeah, it's Galesburg <laughs> Archery Club. No, it's a great a great place. Eh? I haven't been there. I've heard good things. Our good buddy Trevor Schmidt goes there quite a bit. Does he? And uh, he said he loves it. Um, I've been yeah. meaning to get out there, but we just we just haven't yeah, done what it. What do you mean? Does he? He tells us he sees you every time he goes there, and you maybe he doesn't, I, mean, I just don't know. No, I don't I'm know kidding. faces. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm <excited. laughs> I, probably I probably do. Yeah, you're making me feel bad. Oh no. no, his is a face. I you can never forget. Believe me, I've tried. I see. We that. love Trevor. But uh, well, yeah, Trevor's a great yeah. dude. Eric's got the option seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. just came in, and then yeah. uh, Steve's got an option six in the mail. Yeah, okay. So it's on its Three different routes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I gotta say, man, I, I love like the Energy Series Riser. Mm-hmm. It's almost so simple and beautiful, and just shoots so good that it's. I don't know. I just couldn't stray away from that. Riser. That's the way I was. I. I I knew about the option was coming out, and I made my choice before I ever felt any of Well, I did feel the tempo. Um, I got a sneak preview of when we was Colorado elk hunting last year. So mm-hmm. I got to shoot one then, and I, I fell in love with that instantly. So I said, I don't even care what the other one is. I want this. And they said, well, it's going to have the option's going to be a lot more radical split limb design. And it, right. I thought, well, that sounds cool, but I want to stick with the old elite mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went with. I will say, after I started shooting the options... I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Did I make the right choice? Because they're, they're awesome, too. Yeah. But I just, I'm still old school, so I like that tempo right. feel, and I love the roller guard that they added. Uh, yes. Yep. It's it's super smooth. I love it. I'm loving mine. It just feels powerful. Well, the thing is, like, my fiance shoots a Spirit, and it's, like, you know, almost the same, right? A little shorter, but it's just, I love that. I had a Synergy, and it just, I love that riser design, yeah. and I wanted to stick with it. And it looks so good in the brown. Oh, yeah. oh it does. It that looks color's so killer. <laughs> it just, I was looking at it outside in the sun. It's almost like, it's brown, but it's like a bronze. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just simplistic and mm-hmm. well-designed. It is. And yeah, I, I'm absolutely in love with it. It's so. killer. All right, let's talk some turkeys. Let's talk turkey. Um, Here we go. Let's talk specifically bow hunting turkeys. And I feel like that is a turkey is a very hard animal to kill with a bow. Um, if you take the head off, that's a 
You're you in the money there. They can there. be hard to hunt with a gun. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, they can. It seems like turkeys are one way or the other. They're either slam dunk, like oh, I'll, I'm in and out in the morning, or they run you rampant. Yeah. And I don't know where your like thoughts are on like turkey luck or turkey. Um, I guess the difficulty level of turkey hunting with archery. Do you find it? Scale one to ten, how difficult is it? We'll go with that. It's it's definitely adds a lot more to it. Right. Um, it makes it. Of course, we do it with the camera, so that that makes yeah. adds a little bit more yet. But it definitely it, it kills your mobi- mobility a little bit mm-hmm. when you're doing it with the camera and trying to decap them. Now, right. if you're just running and gunning, I've shot several turkeys just by myself with just a standard broadhead, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to get that that 10 yard headshot yeah uh, so i just basically hunt them just like you would with a gun in that case and i i'm a by nature I, I like to run and gun i don't like to sit still but when we get all the camera gear out and everything we'll we'll do some blind some no blind uh, the blinds make things a lot easier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure uh, if if you're trying to make it as easy as possible to get in front of one with a I mean, a good set of decoys is is absolutely key mm-hmm. when you're bow hunting up close with with especially with a decap because you want that that ten yard and below shot if you can. Yeah, uh, we've killed them out. I mean, some of the guys have killed them forty plus yards with the decap. Oh, with the decap. With the decap. Yeah, they'll. Oh, I mean, wow. they'll fly if you if you take the time and tune your bow. And things are <laughs> they'll fly. We had my bow shooting while well, my buddy Corey. I should probably get him a solid hat because he had my bow last year. I mean, he. He gurus that thing, and it was uh, it was we shot it at fifty yards, and it was lights out. All you had to do is just change where your marks were on your movable sight, and just oh really? Yeah, and just uh, we got it dialed in. I mean, they flew straight as could be. I remember you telling me how you um, <laughs> it's impressive how you shot at those, uh, and it, it's kind of faded. But did you not use like uh, like a pillow? Yeah, you used a, a pillow. That's right. Yeah, it's just. Because you're not going to be able to shoot that into like a block target or anything, right? Yeah, you you want to shoot something that's going to give. Um, some of the guys use rugs, uh, just a good tight knit rug. Hang it. Use a some kind of dowel rod or something, some cable ties. Just hang that thing up. So it's kind of free swinging. Yeah, you want it to swing and give when it hits. And yep. the the way the broadheads are so spread out, it's a four inch cutting diameter. So when it hits, it it doesn't it's going to cut some but it's not going to cut deep if if you have something to push against if it's sitting if you're shooting a block target it'll go in it but right right uh, you don't want to destroy that i put the block target behind it (laughs) but just in case it goes through the pillow but generally the pillow will stop it you wouldn't think so i've even well there's so much like surface area it's catching yeah it just it, it sounds like a gun goes off when it hits it but it just pops but this the pillow swings back and the arrow a lot of times it'll just stay just barely inside the pillow. You go shake some of the fluffy stuff off and uh-huh. go do it again. But um, you just you got to get them dialed in. Though most of them won't shoot identical to a field point. I mean, we well, yeah, we that's huge. Yeah. yeah, it's it's mainly I think it's the flex of the spine and the arrow because because these are two hundred grains, and it'll just you'll get a catch a little bit of flex, right. and it just I think it it just kind of wants to veer them off to the left just a hair for me. <laughs> but, I I've always wanted to. to I've never shot. I've never de- decapitated a turkey with the decap. I've never went for it. I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's something, when you see the highlight reels of people doing that, it's everyone shares them. They're awesome to watch. Yeah. Oh, it gets you motivated. I know, I've watched I mean, Philip on the Virtue and, oh, yeah. and Respect the Game just 
lobbing yeah. off. sad daddy's head. Yeah, old sad daddy's gone. <laughs> I'll tell you, my favorite thing about a, shooting the decap is you you don't have that gray area like you do with a with a broadhead in the body. Mm-hmm. Depending on how the turkey's angled, if it's down feeding, it's almost got a whole different kill zone than if it's standing straight mm-hmm. up. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't really know the anatomy of a turkey, sometimes it can be hard for somebody to say, where do I need to hit him? Right. And I think a lot of people, they, they shoot them wrong thinking they're aiming right. They hit right where they're aiming, but they just aimed at the wrong spot. And then they get frustrated because the turkey flew away. Mm-hmm. With the decap, it's almost always hit or kill or not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it either zips past their head or they're they're laying there dead. I mean, it's you get one or the other. Right. It's a 50-50. Yeah, I mean, you just that's what I love about it is you don't have we haven't I don't think we've crippled a single bird with them. I mean, we've we've recovered everything. If we hit them, they die. You ever hit one in the body with the decap? That I not with a solid decap with when I was shooting uh a different brand we was shooting them and and they had a like a heavy ring around the tip and it just would not go in like i shot a little low and hit the feathers just below the wattles Ugh. and it it literally just knocked it clean off its feet and then it gets up and it thinks a turkey kicked it and it oh. wants to fight <laughs> it didn't even go in at all but um these solid decaps we've had a couple instances where we got a little lower than what we planned and it, it looked like a bomb hit that turkey I mean, they're, they're devastating i mean i'm not saying that if you hit them square in the body that it would do that but it, it doesn't seem like minor feathers stop them like they did the other ones yeah, yeah. <laughs> i always wondered like oh oops pull my shot a little bit just slice a turkey in half yeah you know what i mean like that's just what i picture just like oops oh what and just, just split a turkey clean yeah. in half with one but the decaps are a little more aggressive uh, sharper blades the blades are sharp as could be and it's got a, a more aggressive tip okay. and i think that's that's what it gets you started when you you can kind of penetrate them feathers better but it's almost I like would, the bit on like a hole saw yeah like it starts yeah. it off and then just eats their <laughs> oh man they <laughs> eat that's for sure and they're tough that's the best part about them a lot of the others you get one shot and you're bending your blades uh, the decap it's we've shot how many did we shoot matt five or six with one five. With one broadhead. Yeah, and that was before they even beefed up the blades more. So. Oh, really? So yeah. Five I mean, turkeys with one decap broadhead. Yeah. Wow. Then there's a lot of people that would say, like, well, that's a one-time shot broadhead. Yeah. Most, most of the – I mean, I don't want to name any brands because I don't want to pick on other brands, but mm-hmm. right. most of them are one shot. Um, when you're talking shooting, if, if you hit a turkey or you – miss a turkey or whatever i mean it's it's just you find it and the blades are all broke or bent back and the ferrules screwed up but mm-hmm. but the solids you can you can keep trucking with those it's awesome and they sharpen really easy so well yeah. let's so, talk so decoys are really important for turkey hunting especially yeah. turkey mm-hmm. hunting with a bow like can you run through like your let's just we'll start with like your go-to decoy setup okay my first i use dsd dave smith decoys are awesome yeah they are amazing in my opinion the best decoys currently there are getting to be some pretty nice ones out yeah use them for deer hunting too right yeah they have them for about everything now i think yeah he makes the most realistic decoys there ever was as far as i'm concerned who dave yeah i'm on a first name basis no dave (laughs) (laughs) but no he uh they i should say it's i don't know the pose of of the the jake 
the pose of all of them really i mean they all look super real but something about his jake compared to other jakes it's just something about it. it makes toms mad we've had more more beat up turkey stories with with those than than anything i used to run other kinds of decoys actually i stopped before i started trying to bow hunt for filming for the show i just gave up on on even carrying decoys because i i just they'd hang up at 30 yards i thought well i can do that good with my mouth call so i'm not really that worried about Mm -hmm. but these things when when they see them they commit a pretty good percentage of the time it's it's like they come around and they see the way that that submissive posture is on that jake standing over that laying hen and Mm-hmm. More times than not, it seems like it's here they come and they beat the tar out of the Jake. My turkey this weekend, last, last weekend. Yeah, Matt Matt had one come in and we got it all videoed. The one that he may or may not have missed, but uh, <laughs> allegedly, it, it actually allegedly <laughs> allegedly <laughs> missed it. Tune in it, and find out. Yeah, it, it jumped up on the decoy and and knocked it completely off the stake when it was kicking it and spurring it. And then it, it stood on the decoy as it's laying on its side. And then it went into full strut and then it would pop back down and, and just literally pick at the snood on the Jake <laughs> and just keep picking, picking. And then, and then it would go back into full strut. Then it would stand as tall as it could stand. Like I've conquered you. And then it'd uh-huh. go back down and Matt and Logan were in the blind and, and they, I'm sitting there watching this from the other direction and it was just awesome to see, but everything was good except for the flop and Turkey at the end. But it's all good. That, that, that creates experience, right, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, yep. He's like, dude, look at him. He's all hot under the collar. He's like, hey, quit bringing that up. <laughs> we got a couple comments rolling in. Oh, we do. Uh, Chris Chris Rogers. Um, oh, here you go. Long-time listener. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he said he's killed a lot of t- uh, more, more turkeys with a bow than a gun the past couple years. Um he said he normally smoked them in the stand um, while turkey hunting in the, or while hunting in the fall with his bow. And I've killed quite a few turkeys from a tree stand, which is I had someone tell me it was impossible. And I know turkeys have good eyesight, and like I guess when they're they're young, like danger from above, hawks and stuff like that. But I've killed three good turkeys from. I yeah. mean, that's just probably luck, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't think know. so. Yeah. I, I mean, think it makes you a better deer hunter. Yeah, yeah, because their eyesight is absurdly yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, it's insane. Don't listen to anything that anybody says. Eric Bischoff told Steve Austin that black trunks and black boots would never get over. Uh, Just saying. That, <laughs> don't listen to any, that, what that, anybody that. says. You make your own destiny. That's right. But practice your archery if you're going to take <laughs> shots like that, please. <laughs> Chris also has a comment. Um, as much as I love DSD or avian decoys, um, I've killed more birds using the El Cheapo foam decoys from Walmart over the years. Um <laughs> Is that the brand? I, he said, I honestly believe I could cut a piece of cardboard into the general shape of turkey, paint it black, and have success. This may be, uh, But this may be contrary to my last comment, but the last gobbler I did kill was over a DSD Jake. <laughs> and he, he said, ha-ha, after that. Yeah, all that, all that yeah. for nothing. <laughs> we love uh, we love. That was still Chris, right? He might have a package in the mail for us. Oh, he might. Well, Chris, thank you for your service and uh, for... The alleged package, yeah, which allegedly, allegedly could be uh, could be coming in. So we've got the we've got the bows down. We've got the uh, the decoys down. Now, uh, one of the most important things in turkey hunting is the calls. Yeah, we've got 
the cream of the crop right in front of me. The yeah, Lynch we, Mob calls. We've got the Lynch Mob series in front of us. Uh, Which, by the way, if you want to purchase any of these, uh, lynchmobcalls.com, working yeah. class 15, get you 15% off. That's yep. right. Yep. For everyone who missed it earlier in our technical difficulties during the recording, yeah. which I don't know, we're, do, we're doing good now, or everyone that's just tuning in on Facebook Live. Um, can you run us through, we'll move on to, did we get full through like your decoy setup yet? Oh, yeah, you said yeah, the Jake we, we over talked the, over about the it. Yeah, I, basically what I do from from where I'm sitting, where the bow hunter's shooting from, mm-hmm. I want to go out about eight, seven to eight yards. From uh, your decoys? Yep. That's I'm going to basically figure out where I'm sitting. I'm going to take about seven big steps out, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put my laying hen right there, right where I want to shoot, and I'm going to put the Jake standing over. Okay. Then I get I generally carry a feeding hen and I put it to either the left or right about three or four yards beyond, mm-hmm. and then I do the opposite with the standing hen and I'll put it three or four yards. The only difference is I will sometimes put the standing like sentry alert hen. I'll put her a little further out if I'm on a rise, like if there's a little roll in the hill. Mm-hmm. They most of the time don't go to her, but that's why you want your decoys. I try to keep them all under 12 yards because once in a while you'll have a, a tom tom come in and especially if it's a subordinate tom like a two-year-old mm-hmm. they'll come in and they'll hover around one of the the hens that are on the fringe so you still want to be able to shoot those but gotcha, okay 90 percent of the toms that come in are coming straight to the jake and i always face the jake towards me is that so because, the turkey tries to get around yeah because okay. they'll generally they'll puff up go into strut and then they'll want to circle and they want to kind of come at that that Jake almost head on, mm-hmm. and they'll like push breast to breast with it, and oh, that gives you. you if they're in full strut, it gives you a time when they're kind of pushing away with the tail fan, and you can use the tail fan to basically hide your movement. When he gets behind his own tail fan, you can pull back your bow, and then when he gets done beating it up, then you you Let decap him. him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that that's why I like right. Jake to face me. The other thing I've found, if you face the Jake away from you, sometimes they feel like, I think they feel like, I'm guessing what a turkey's feeling, but I think they think the Jake's like staring them down, and then they'll they'll tend to stay out a little bit. So if right. he sees that that Jake's ignoring him and he and it's focused on the hen, he wants to circle it and right. Well, and probably play bully. Thinks, I'm going to sneak up on this fool right here. Yeah, yeah. Other, other than. <laughs> Man, that, that little dude is crazy. Yeah. So the decoy setup's huge, and uh, since we started using those, I mean, I honestly thought it was going to be really hard to get decoy or to decoy turkeys in close enough to shoot them with the decap. But it really isn't as bad as you think if you're just patient. Let it let the hunt fold out or unfold. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I'm not going to say you're going to do it every time, but it's it's fun. It's right. just a different element to try. If you haven't done it, it's it's a blast. You guys would really like it. I've killed a few turkeys with a bow, and I just I find with turkey hunting, obviously my main interest and focus is whitetails, like most people I'd say. But turkey hunting is awesome. I just lose. Um, I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not as patient. Like I don't. I guess I don't realize I have to grind out a lot. Like you know, with whitetails, you're like, oh, I got a long season ahead of me. Like I'm I'm gonna put in the hours. I don't feel that way towards turkeys. Yeah, because I've had it happen easy. Yeah. Maybe a few too many times. You know what I mean? And it, it can be. Sometimes it works out really easy. Other times it's not not so easy. We had the other day when we were out, it was just a, a zero gobbling. I mean, it was just nasty weather. 
but I knew that those turkeys were using that ridge a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just, I thought, you know, at some point today, they're probably going to show up here. So we kind of ground it out. Uh, but that's the cool thing about turkey hunting. If, if you want to go home or go fishing or whatever, just break off and go and try it again the next day. But, uh, you having Facebook live issues, Steve, we're full of these issues today. Storage is full. It, is that what's going on? Is that pulling up on the Facebook Live? No. We're good. We're live. No one in Facebook Live good. land knows what's going on. <laughs> They're like, okay. And everyone in podcast land is just upset right now. Um, one thing uh, I want to back up to, a lot of people ask when we're at the various hunting shows, the classics and so on, what, how we're shooting the decaps, what, what arrow setup we're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I think that's a huge... I'm glad you brought this up because everyone asks that too. Yeah, and I would say 90% of the time, like a 300 spine, something fairly stiff. Yeah. 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 And you're going to use a full length for most draw lengths. I mean, if you have a super short draw length, you can cut it back a little bit. But what you got to watch is (laughs) you got to make sure that your uh, decap's clearing your your, uh, sight window. Oh, oh yeah. so and your that's hands two made in, more important two inches on each side of the arrow yeah the yeah that's the thing inch. and so you got to watch um how it's really best to screw it on before before you fletch your arrows that way you can fletch your arrows uh based around where your decaps set up but mm. uh, <laughs> for the guys that shoot dovetail sights that could be an issue depending on where it's at right if I mean, i'm shooting a dovetail dovetail i'm gonna pull it all the way back Okay. I'll just for for that my my bow hunting setup, I'm going to pull that all the way back closer to the bow mm-hmm. just for that reason to keep it out of the out of the way. Uh, <laughs> for turkeys that there's no real advantage to having it way out in front of your bow anyway. Right. So. right. It's a like you said, it's really like a 15-yard game or yeah. under. Yeah, and that's I mean, a 25-yard is a long decap shot. I mean, that's like you say, fifteen and in is is kind of that's the fun of it is to try to get them in close and right. Would you get it done? Would you attempt to try and shoot one of the decaps with a uh, with like a recurve, or is there just not enough coming I, behind that? I think you could do it. You probably got to shoot a higher poundage, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, when we first started, Matt, he was shooting forty pounds and just lopping their head clean off. So, and he was nine years old. So, <laughs> I, I think you could do it. Hmm. And I don't think you have to knock their head off. They call them decaps, but. Uh, you smack them that hard in the neck, I think they're going to be done anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Corey, you might, might not take their head clean off, but... Corey says, no sight torque involved at that distance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we don't got to worry about the sight torque. So. Yep. <laughs> but one big thing is the fletchings. Uh, always, uh, I would say, four would be on the minimum. You'd want four-inch mm-hmm. fletchings or feathers. I use feathers. Uh, I know some guys do use fletchings. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally a good amount of helical on there would be ideal uh, we've used four four inch fletch fletchings or three five inch i was gonna say four fletch would probably help level that baby out yeah a little more. It, they do do a nice job stabilize uh, it the most stable ones i've shot were like five is an odd size like a five and a half uh, five and a half inch real heavy feather almost just shy of a flu flu yeah i was gonna say like a flu flu yeah. arrow yeah the only difference is um or the only problem I, that i find with that is if you got a short brace height bow sometimes you're you're pulling through your rest with that long of a oh right so sure. that would be the only downside to that um 
yeah, you stiff arrow shaft, long fletchings, helical. Mm-hmm. Uh, just get out there and practice on the pillow. The one other thing is crank that bow down. You don't have to shoot 70 pounds. You can do it, but <laughs> you'll chop their head off with 50 pounds. You don't need to. And you'll find that it's. Well, Matt was at what? What did you just say? 40, 40 pounds? 40 pounds. He's he is smoking. them off. Yeah, he was gone. So <laughs> You're just sending it with the decap at 70, 80 pounds, just oh, cranked. Yeah. <laughs> Go to send it. And it's, I did it for a couple of years. I shot just because I just shot my deer hunting setup, but I found. It actually was when I started working with Matt's how easier everything was to tune with the lower, lower poundage. poundage. I thought, man, this is a sure. piece of cake with, with lower poundage. So mm-hmm. I just cranked my bow down. Right. And it was so much easier. You just it, it creates a spine issue if you have too much uh draw weight. So yeah. just a few cranks off your bow make a huge difference. So you get it down in the fifties or low sixties, it's really not that you can't do it. I mean if if you want to shoot your seventy five pound setup by all means give it a try but i think you'll just have better luck with cranking it down a little bit plus the other bright side of that uh, is you can hold so much easier pull so much smoother i mean with turkeys you don't want a lot of movement especially outside of the blind yeah for sure and uh well the spine thing's a good tip because especially with <laughs> a broadhead that extreme you know <laughs> and spine plays a lot i think that's an overlooked thing for people who don't have a ton of experience in archery or guys that have this old bow that's not shooting very fast and they go buy this new fast whatever and then they're way underspined oh yeah and can't hit anything yeah I just, that's, they don't think about it no a lot of people just kind of overlook that part of their setup and mm-hmm. it's a huge deal very yeah it's very arrows are very important yeah what you shoot is uh believe it or not yeah believe it or not yeah. it's the last thing to uh i mean that's the thing that counts i mean your bow of, of course but your arrow's got yeah. to uh, hit where you want it. Yeah, and we might as well throw out one little hit towards elite because, and I say this with meaning it 100%, mm-hmm. when you pull back and you get that easy let off, I mean, you can hold that thing forever. So you can yeah. prepare yourself for the shot, especially out of the blind when you're trying to pick a tree to pull behind. Uh, the high let off bow is is awesome for that, yep. especially low poundage high let off. You can hold it forever. Yep, you can pull back when you need to pull back. And you don't have to worry about for... nothing. Yeah, this it's is my just... tempo. I, I was I pulled this at one sixty four last weekend, and me and Ross were setting like, well, oh, check your peep, see if that's where you want it. Pull it back, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let down, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to let down. Give me a minute. Yeah. Okay. Our... Oh, there it is. Okay, there it goes. Yeah. Finally, let it down. It feels like you got to push it. Yeah, yep. you do. You you almost do. I'm like, man, you could almost fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Just sit there and nap for a minute, which is good because if I have a five and a half year old whitetail staring at me at 20 yards, I'm gonna want to be able to hold that thing at full draw until Ooh. he. I've had that really help me in a hunting setup. I know the target guys; they love a little more pulling back against them. Yeah, but for hunting, you can't beat that that nice let off because you just never know how long you've got to hold back and mm-hmm. sometimes it's taking its last step and you pull back and then it stops mid stride right. and here you are pulled back and it's still behind a, br- a bush and well the cool thing about elite they make an o-ring kit yeah for the limb stops so you yep. can put around the, the limb stops and they're different sizes so you can change your valley yeah i guess would be the the, mm-hmm. the archery term and how it feels on your back wall i've i've never I've always been satisfied with what it is anyway, mm-hmm. so I've never actually played with the O-ring kit, but you can get that and customize the feel for your bow. Right. Which I don't know if any other bow companies even do that, but that's you know that's yeah. something else you can play with. And the movable draw stops are 
I think they're underrated too. A lot of people don't realize you can really customize your field just with the draw stops too, mm-hmm. just by moving them in. Then you add an O-ring if you want just a little more, and you can almost get any feel you want. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a really versatile setup. So yeah, it ten- I mean, it depends on what size O-ring you use. You can, you're still going to get that solid back wall, but you could even get a little bit of a cushion mm-hmm. in there too. With probably with the I, I've never played with it, but I'm assuming that the bigger the O-ring, the more of like a it won't be as yeah. More, I don't want to say yeah. Maybe sponge, but more. It won't be as clunk back on the like solidness. It depends on what yeah. you want in your bow. It, it's all personal preference. Yeah, every everybody is different, mm-hmm. and they are extremely adjustable. I look at and this might be a completely weird way to look at um, archery setups. I look at bows as like a almost like a vehicle. Like, what are you tuning out this vehicle to do? Like, what what are you wanting to race? What, what? Sleeper bow. Yeah. You know what I mean, though? Like, <laughs> And it is from uh, just a hunting setup to a tournament setup to an indoor setup, and you got lenses. 3D to a, setup. Yeah. I mean, you can, there's so many different variables yeah. in there. But yeah, exactly. Like said, it's just like a car. You can do pretty much anything you want to customize it or do whatever. Tune yeah. it out, get what performance, what way arrows you're running, all that, like what octane you're running, like what, right. how much boost you got in that car. Like it's kind of the same. Well, it's not the same, but you get what I'm... Uh, in perspective. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. like a vehicle, it is your responsibility to perform and use said item safely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, let's do one thing. <laughs> I want to end with the turkey calls, but... uh Steve asked this question down here, and uh, how does it feel, Clark, to have a famous son? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, that's Justin Bieber's dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, me and Matt have a lot of fun together. Um, he's he's easy because all I got to do is whatever I want to do, and that's the same stuff he wants to do. So. <laughs> Um, he's that got a little cool. more energy than I have, and I never thought anybody would have more energy for the outdoors than I do. But yeah, he, literally, I can't hardly get my shoes off, and he wants to know what we're going to do. So, well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, we're like we're on the roll, and he loves to do the whole process from food plots to to <laughs> targets awesome. to anything. So, he, what's your he turkey did. food plot? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> truthfully, what does work good is if you spring plant a brassica blend like rape. They they love rape. Uh, another one is oats. Really? Yeah, they'll oh, okay. they'll eat them up if you if you take the energy to do it. The best one that I haven't used, but I've got a very good buddy that I trust everything he says, and he said Chufa. He's used it, and it's the ticket. I don't even know. So, what that say is. that again. Chufa. Some people Chufa? say Chufa, but it's C H U F A, and it's basically hmm. it's it's a tuber. It grows under the ground. Kind of like a peanut, mm-hmm. like, uh, like a what? A peanut? A peanut? <laughs> what is a peanut? <laughs> Leave them alone, Steve. All right, now go ahead, go ahead. Right. So, <laughs> do I need to elaborate on this? No, no, no. So basically, peanut. It's uh, it's like go. a sedge. It looks like a grass growing up, but it comes up and it's got the little. It basically looks like little nuggets on the root system. Really, really, and, I've never yeah. even. Yeah, if you look it up, you can get it through uh, NWTF. I've planted it. What I didn't do is loosen up the soil. I didn't know when I planted it at the time. This has been 15 years ago. But you loosen up the ground just enough that they find it, and I guess it's just lights out from there. Really? Yeah, they said it is awesome. They just love to dig for that stuff. And it's, Wow. What's it called? Chufer? Yeah, Chufa. I Chufa. Thought I, was, I thought yep. I was asking a kind of a funny question there, but I guess it's well, not I knew, real, I knew real turkeys. Thing. 
you could plant for turkeys. I didn't know what you could plant. Is yeah. that is that something that people do like a lot around here? Or is that kind of a rare thing? No, people around here don't do it as much. In the South, they do it quite a bit more. And that's my buddy's from South Carolina. And uh, mm-hmm. he says it's awesome. But I know it grows here because I planted it and it grew. And I pulled some up just to see what it looked like. Uh, I didn't know that you needed to go in there and, and lightly disc it to mm-hmm. kind of expose some of it and let them find it. So once After you plant, you plant it, it, let it grow, then you disc it a little bit? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. The other thing is, is you, the way I understand is you'll want to plant it like last fall and then, I mean, well, last summer, and then you're going to come in and disc it for for your spring birds. Oh, I um, got you. Where oh. I think that's where you kind of lose some of the Midwest guys and the northern guys. Sure. Um, in the south, they can, like, just go in and disc it because they got such a much longer growing season. Right. They can grow it in the spring still use it in the spring so wow right but they said it will winter i haven't personally experienced that but interesting be worth trying yeah that, what's that called chufa chufa, chufa. yep c-h-u-f-a chewbacca for some reason. <laughs> well it might be like chewbacca <laughs> that's it i had no idea yeah it's pretty cool look it up sometime it's oh don't worry I, I, I got it wrote down don't worry we're, we're, we're looking this up we're yeah. gonna go back and listen to this episode and get, yeah, get all the tips right. back um let's get into how, where, we, where do we want to go? I, would, I do want to talk about calls since we have them here. Do you want to demonstrate? Maybe like if pick three different calls out and then we'll kind of elaborate on them a bit and what where that would apply into a turkey hunting situation. Yeah, we could we could do that. I I could even go into kind of a lot of people say how do you how do you call? Well, uh, I guess that's a kind of a I try to stay as versatile as I can. It's it's a hard question to answer. It's uh, you don't want to get one i guess one mind or one uh can't even think of what i'm trying to say but a one frame state of mind where yeah. where you only do one thing I, like i've heard certain guys say all you got to do is call soft and then i've heard other guys say i'm aggressive and mm-hmm. and there's no reason it's kind of like fishing bass tournaments i mean you get the guys that they're they're crank baiters or they're jig fishermen and why not just be good with everything that way you can throw the kitchen sink at them if you need to and right um so that's that's what i do i try to i try to be good with all my calls uh, i i most of the time use my diaphragm call uh, just because it's hands-free mm-hmm. and i can do a lot on it uh where some of the the other ones i mean I, you can still get almost if you're good enough with a box call you can get any sound out of it Ooh, too right. or you're same with the pot calls um like today we've got aluminum glass uh slate mm-hmm. all they all just give you a little bit different pitch pass uh, me one of those steve oh this is the mac daddy right here well, that's the aluminum that. yeah aluminium we can do yeah. something fun. aluminium yeah whoa all right here yeah. we can do something fun for people in probably can't see me on facebook live here you can keep talking while i, I sit here and butcher right. these that yeah. babies so is this what is which one do I have? The aluminum. Yeah, that's the aluminum. aluminum. That's, uh, I believe that's the intimidator. So do you now, have this sanded? I will anywhere? say you're doing a, a no no, which oh, is am? okay, but you don't want to touch the surface, okay? Because it just kind of the oil from your fingers will will smooth it out. Yeah, too which much? I'm not saying you ruin my collar. He's like, like, listen, <laughs> but, now I got to throw the <laughs> Steve <laughs> on the other hand, listen, you son of a. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but that's one thing. Like you, you just want to kind of keep the surface clean. Okay. Um, is this one but, that you would rough up in a certain area? The aluminum ones, at least with the lynch mob, those. Those are they're etched enough that you don't have to do much to them. So now that I um, wouldn't mess the whole call up, is there something that you uh, say 
some jackass like I just did, would you go and rub something over it to kind of... With the aluminum, I'd probably just clean it off with Windex or something. Oh, really? Uh, now, the other ones, we scratch them up with sandpaper. Right, in certain spots. Right. Do you do a different a different amount of sanding for different pitches and sounds or no most of the pitch you get off of what part of the call you're striking you're getting a deeper pitch in the middle than you do on the outside okay um and basically what you're wanting to do is start on the outside a turkey's tone basically has two notes it's a high low so you're going to start on the outside of the call to get the high pitch bring it into the middle to get the low pitch so you're you're just basically drawing little ovals here, let me let me see that for just a second. <laughs> see, Matt's on it. I'll do it on the slate here, but okay. basically, you're just kind of so. So that's the slow version, and it's like a. So you'd never pick it up. Just keep your striker down the whole time. It's tipped slightly away. And away, kind of like welding. Yeah, no, like you had it. Use it. Yeah, just hold it like a pencil. But there you go, and then you just speed it up and. You, So it's, it's, yeah, there you go. To cluck, you just uh, basically push hard okay. and pop it back to you. Is that too fast? That's too fast. That's that's more of a a yelp, but you can do yelps in straight lines too. Some guys do, but you don't get that. Here's the difference in the oval. Here's the oval. You get that yelp, yelp. Oh, right. But the straight line is, it doesn't, mm. it's more of a, but you're just wanting to pop it. It's going to like catch and then it'll just pop all at once. Put some pressure on it. It's a lot harder than what you think it yeah, is. Yeah, it just never, takes a little I've practice. I've one of those. Let Here you go. See that thing. I got to mess Try that. You can take the. Here. It's because I touch it. That's why it doesn't sound yeah. so good. <laughs> it might be yeah. sliding. Maybe you greased it up, but. Thanks, Brian Johnson. I love that you guys are taking the podcast live. Awesome. Keep it the good work. Terry, I planted um, chufa. Yeah. Uh, one year in sandy soil. It worked great. Drew turkeys in from other properties. Um, you need to plant a lot or they will kill it. That's good advice. Yeah. that's. I want to try planting some. I just, I've never to me, it. it's like taking some of my available plots for deer out. So I haven't. Because really, another thing that I didn't say a clover field is a good draw for turkeys too. So mm-hmm. you can get you can get turkeys in any really nice green field, but oats, wheat, anything like that. But, right. But Chufa, I've heard, like he said, that they they just they seek it out and like devastate it. So if you had enough of it, it could be fun. Yeah, that would be if you had like a. I, I don't wonder if you could do that in a real small area, like an acre, like an acre. Yeah. You know, or or less. Yeah, that's. I'd have to ask about it because, like I say, I haven't got a lot of experience with it. I did plant it and it grew, but I didn't. A little I mini turkey plot just yeah. for turkeys. I mean, I wonder if deer would even eat it. They do. They said the if you read it in the uh, if you just look up chufa and read about it, it says deer will eat it too. They'll dig for it. Man, I, it's interesting. I love like hearing about something I had no idea yeah, about. You it's, know kind of I mean? a, it's interesting. Let's let's hear Steve butcher this yeah, call. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to. He's man, got the huh? aluminum here. Aluminium. Let's try it. Aluminium. So just make ovals. Yeah, basically. All right. So 
So be <laughs> what in the world's going? Everyone's laughing at him. This goes back to that coordination thing you said at the beginning of the Facebook live. Um, but no, it's uh, Steve's not built for movement. Not good, yeah. If you, I'll show you here. Right? All right, look. let me see that for a quick second, man. Learn me. Okay, so so you is kind of hovering your hand. Uh huh. If you use your hand to kind of almost, that's your steady point. Yeah. So then you're reaching up here, and you might have to get to the side if your hand's shorter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking at his hands, so but no. <laughs> so anyway, you're uh, then you're just tipping it slightly away from you, almost standing it straight up, but slightly away, and then you just that's the slow version. You kind of see my line there. Yeah, it looks like an oval. You just never bring it up; just constantly leave it down. It's only going to make the sound on the on the downstroke. So. So, yeah, people on podcasts sure are like, <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is crazy. This is Turkey 101, but this is cool. So you got no. diaphragm calls yeah, here I've on got, the table. I've got diaphragms. I like the versatility of a, so how many, I'll throw one in. Can you explain the different types of cuts in the diaphragms that you have? Yeah, I've got like a bat wing is a, it's a pretty easy one to blow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot of it's personal preference. It's how your palate, like. What might be my favorite call might not be yours, mm-hmm. uh, just because of how the cuts are mm-hmm. and how you can control the cut. You might blow it slightly different. I like a bat wing, and it's a really versatile call. You can get all your pitches with it, which that's how I judge a, a call. If I if it's my hunting call, you go to a competition, everybody brings a, a, a briefcase full of calls, and they've got their per yeah. call, and they've got their <laughs> cluck call, and they've got their tree call. But I want one that I can do all of it on. Yeah. And I may be able to have a, a call that I like to purr on better. But if I can do everything, then it's it's right there. And I can mm-hmm. – for turkeys, you don't have to be a competition caller. You can just – I'm not a, a major competition caller or anything. I just – I like to call turkeys. But uh, Do you know Doug from Spoon River? Too? Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's one of yeah. my good buddies as well. That's, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's I was a gonna, great guy. Yeah, that's funny. I was wondering. I'm like, hey, you guys are right in the same area. Yeah. He's – the one guy I know that's absolutely, absolutely obsessed with like turkey calling competitions, oh, yeah. and like that guy is a turkey nut. He is. He's he's awesome. He actually hunted with us Sunday. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he went with me and Matt Sunday. So what a small yeah. world it, it is. is yeah, that's crazy. I gotta call him. I'm due for yeah. a phone call with that guy for sure. He's he, what a great guy. He he he. We play around. He he cuts calls too, so he cuts uh-huh. a lot of calls. And yeah, yeah, I got a few of his calls, and that's what I've learned to yeah. to to do the diaphragm call on. And, and it takes a while to learn. It I does. Mean, some people pick it up right away. For me, I had to practice for a while with it. But uh, that's funny. I didn't know. I figured you might know him being yeah. in that area, but I, I just didn't put two and I two didn't even think of it because that's right where – I mean, he's 35 minutes south of me, but we ended up, because our passions are the same, we kind of yeah. got lined up. So it was mm-hmm. kind of one of them small world deals. But. I've watched him in one of his competitions before and uh, at – at the Illinois Classic, they do. I think isn't that the state championship? Yeah. Yep. So I watched him there, and uh, that's cool. It's something I always wanted to get into, like tournament calling. It's, oh yeah. But I just, it's my interest for that is it. There's an umbrella for that for me. You know what I yeah. mean? It's 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 cool. I get it and I respect it. But so let's let's hear some the difference between the diaphragm and the other calls we have here. All right. So. I'll just throw, this is just a combo cut I'm going to throw in. Um, mm-hmm. It's just got a, like a half moon out of one side and a, a slight cut in the other. Um, this is a three read. So 
starting off in the morning, I'm going to work with uh, small talk. Like just, I don't want to do anything too loud. I'm just trying to get him to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where you want a nice call that will go soft. You get one of the cutter calls that are too heavy, four reeds and stuff. I think that's overkill. Mm-hmm. They're great if it's windy and you need to get really loud, but I like the the soft call. So I'll start off with some tree yelps and some clucks. And just right. And just kind of, I can't really tell if I need to take a headphone <laughs> off here. But no, it sounded good. I'm, I'm trying to watch, make sure we're not peeking out the volume here. I just give little pips and clucks, kind of like when they're waking soft. up. Real soft yelps. Um, mm-hmm. I can't tell if I'm hitting the softness of it because I'm riding the microphone. But yeah. but then I'll kind of, if if I'm not getting him to gobble, if he gobbles at that and I know he gobbled at me, I don't give him too much after that. I kind of right. slow it back, back a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back and just, I'll let him gobble. I love it when they sit there like, you you got him to gobble once, and then he sits there for a minute, and he gobbles not at any crows or owls or anything. He's just gobbling because he knows you're there, and he's excited. Or yeah, that's that's the ones I like the best. And then I won't give him too much more till fly down. I, maybe a few little clucks here and there, but I don't want to just blow it out. But let's so you say overcall and basically turn him off at that point. Yeah, and um, a lot of times you'll get him to stay in the tree way too long. You sit there and call at him that aggressively. They're waiting for the hen by nature. They gobble so that the hens come to them. Right. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, they'll sit up in the tree and gobble. Like, okay, keep where you at. Come on. But if you can just pique his interest to the point that he's like, well, I'm going to go check that out. So then he he comes down. So gotcha. um, Okay. Lightly flirting. Putting the vibe out. A little flirting. You just want, you know, hey, I'm over here, but I'm not. He swiped right. Yeah. Yeah, So if, (laughs) if he either doesn't gobble or if he gobbles a lot, then I'll. Or I mean, if he doesn't gobble at all or he only gobbles. A time or two, I might. I want to get him to gobble. I want him to know he's gobbling at me. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, I'll build it up a little bit more. And and I just bring it up a little bit more. And if still nothing, I might do a little fly down cackle. And I might beat my hat on my leg or whatever, but. Usually that'll get him to go. <laughs> right. And and that'll be about all I give him until I hear him fly down. Then then again. When you say depends. beat your hat on your leg, yeah. that's to imitate the his yeah, wings. Yeah, imitate the wings coming down. So mm. cool. Can um, I can I try that call? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's where I draw the line on the no yeah, spit right guy. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, Steve. Yeah. Oh god. So but no, it's uh I'll kind of build up. Generally it's mostly small talk, even if, if he's on the ground. Everybody wants to give a big long series of yelps or or cuts. I just I keep it soft. Right. If I can do it with scratching the leaves and purring, then that's all I'll do. Can you do um, a purr with the diaphragm? Yeah, yeah. Just got mad over here doing it in my ear with his tongue. <laughs> and that's just a feeding. It's a call of contentment. Just basically, I'm over here. I'm just kind of. Doing right. my thing. I'm not the no Instagram interested. post. Yep. Yeah. I'm loving my food. That's right. <laughs> I love my it food. actually, so, you know, it sounds yeah. dumb to people when you break it down. Like when you're relating it to like, oh, yeah, I'm just flirting, putting out the vibe. But really, that's a good way to look at it because it gets you, it puts it in a real perspective. Because if you don't think about it that way, you think, well, I'm just going to call, 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 call. Yeah. And if it doesn't come, you get mad about it. But really, if you think about it as like, 
you're essentially you're you're flirting to get him to come to you. Yeah. And you it's same rules apply as kind yeah. of. Yeah. This you yeah. gotta play hard to get. That's the right. yeah. that's well, the one that really piques their interest. Now <laughs> now sometimes hard to get doesn't work. They think, okay, well there's a sure thing over here. So mm-hmm. they start to leave you. That's when you'll start to build up your call. And if they're if you know they're leaving, either their gobble sounds like it's getting further away or you're watching them and they're going further away. Or if they're going to a hen, like, for instance, last year, one of Matt's hunts, we had three toms that come up and committed. The hens hadn't flew out of the trees yet. So we we sat there and called at them. And we had their interest, but they just, like, they wanted to stay over on this hill because the hens were still there. Mm, right. Well, then the hens started pitching out, and I watched them. I watched them start to go towards the hens. So that's when you kind of break out the cuts. I'll give you a little example here. It's mm-hmm. like... Well, you don't want to know what I bro- promised him there, but it's yeah. uh, basically you, you give him more, and, and ideally, she right too. Yeah, if you can get the uh, if you can get the hens to answer you better yet, getting a little bickering match. If a hen cuts back at you, imitate what she did. Give her a little bit more. If she pop, pops five times, pop eight times at her, and just just give her more than what she gave you, and you'll get in a fighting match with her. And a lot of times, just like last weekend, our turkeys that come in, mm-hmm. we didn't call the gobbler. He wasn't. He never gobbled one time until he got all the way to the food plot. But but what we called was the hen. I seen he was out there with the hen, mm-hmm. so I started calling to the hen. I got her calling back at me, and then I'd call and get aggressive with her. She'd start getting more aggressive with me, and pretty soon she starts walking, and the tom follows. Oh, so. you are not talking to my man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's essentially. We'll see about this. And then she comes in, and, and then he gets close, and then he started getting excited, too. The more we was calling back and forth right. with each other, then he started gobbling, and then another Tom coming behind him. Well, who so. wouldn't get excited? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Two chicks talking at once? Man, that's living the dream. <laughs> that's right. So I'm, I'm you gotta break it down too. You yeah. have to break it down that way. Essentially, if you don't understand the dynamic of mm-hmm. like what calls to use, you almost need to like think of it that way. Yeah. And that might sound... Is that dumb to really put it in that perspective? No. I feel like that's a good way to look at it. No, it's it's awesome. I, I think that you really got to look at it, almost put put it in a human perspective because it's it's really a lot the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got every situation's a little different, but think okay, how's he reacting? And I mean, he's got his own personality. You can read that personality a lot of times, and and you just got to play off of that, right? And see right. what's getting him all pumped up and what's not. I mean, if it. If you notice he's got a negative reaction, just don't do that again. Yeah, right, uh, right. So, but if he's getting excited, the only thing some people do too much, they he fires a gobble, cuts you off. You're right in the middle of a set of calls, and he cuts you off. So that was so awesome. I'm going to do it again right now, and and they just keep doing it over and over, and then he loses interest because you just kept calling and calling and calling. But I made that mistake before. Yeah, that's that's the one mistake <laughs> when I'm with people. I've noticed a lot of people over call, um, but. It's like over texting a girl. She's not interested anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing, man. Same, same thing. thing. Yeah, no, you can scare them away. It's just yeah. Steve, so. Steve knows what that's all about. Yeah, yeah I do all, <laughs> all too, too well. well. But <laughs> no, and then the last thing I guess I always carry the kitchen sink with me, and that's uh, the arsenal. The arsenal. I'll, that's all. If I'm not having any luck with going back and forth with the hen or getting him excited. I might go then to imitating two hens fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll have my box call or my slate call, and I'll be calling, making sound like two hens. Um, so show us. So 
Show I'll do. Us. Let me just do it right here with this. Uh, just because I haven't tried that other one quite a bit yet, but so to do dueling hens, I'm just gonna. I might do a set of yelps and just give a couple little quick pops. Cuts is basically what that is. Mm -hmm. Try to build the excitement. So. fingerprint there <laughs> sorry <laughs> don't know who did that <laughs> sorry clark so that's kind of what i do i just bounce back and forth you can do it with the with box So it's, just, it's crazy. Kind of get yeah. those two different tones in there. Yeah. yeah. You can definitely hear it. It's it, oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hopefully you can hear it on the, on the podcast yeah, audio that it I, sounds, I can for it, sure tell it, it might be blowing out too much here, but, um, <laughs> so basically, um, that's, I'll do that. The only last final reserve resort would be, uh, to go to a gobble call. Or maybe like if if the hen just absolutely isn't working, then challenge him with a gobble call or some fighting purrs, and that's mm -hmm. kind of that's the last resort for me. Um, I don't. The reason it's the last resort is you start doing the fighting sounds, and a subordinate tom will shy away. So mm -hmm. you don't want to do that right off the bat because if he's subordinate and you don't realize that he's going the other direction because he don't want to fight. Right. Sure. Which he's, is the same with most animals yeah doing a fighting type call like rattling you can spook a lot of deer oh yeah rattling you know it's it, it it's interesting yeah definitely yeah it's 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 all situational but it's it's just the fun that's what i enjoy about it is to try to try to find what's working for that day because yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah you get that sure. tom that uh i don't want to fight i'll find the hen that likes me for my personality and not my <laughs> brawn yeah <laughs> well we're running we're running short on time um this might be a loaded question, uh, or a lot of, I don't oh, know boy. if we can cover this. We'll try and do it quickly. If you could change any laws that <laughs> on turkey hunting, what would it be? I would say the, the one o'clock in Illinois mm -hmm. hunt time would be the first thing I'd change. I'd like to hunt. There's some good hunting in the evenings. I've been to other places and it can be really good. Uh, there's some benefits to it. Uh, the mushroomers, it gives them time to go without worried about being shot at i'm guessing that's one big reason maybe on the state land to to limit the time yeah that's uh, a good point I've, I've always wondered why they do it that's i don't think i've heard people say well the turkeys need a rest i don't really think that's why they do it but yeah um but it's kind of nice as a hunter too we're deer hunting you're just constantly grinding it <laughs> day oh, yeah. and night right it forces least, you to have a break yeah it forces your break to where you go fishing or something do something just to break it up you're you're ready to go again the next or, morning. The actually, spend, nice. actually spend time with your family you yeah know? Well, he gets to spend time with his family turkey hunting too yeah oh, that's a good they point go with me it's a win-win yeah um 
I would say one thing to change is for spring turkey and, of course, by county, over do over-the-counter resident-only, archery-only. Yes. Yeah, I think that'd be great. You know, I think with archery, it, the other thing I would change is I would like to see it go all season yeah. with an archery tag, at least for one tag, because if you're taking that challenge, it'd be nice to be able to go a little more than five days. Yeah. Well, a lot of the seasons early are weekdays. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get the most you get is two weekends per or two weekend days per season, mm-hmm. and first season you don't get any at all in yeah. Illinois. So, and that's, that's tough for the working class. Yeah. But I get it. I guess I those are the laws I would probably change. Right, and uh, for sure. But how about Facebook? Anybody chimed in on that? Um, are we all clean. John Saunders, great tips and tactics, Clark. Um, what do we have? Uh, seeing you are left-handed, can you help a one-arm guy, Clark? Steve Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can help. I can help Steve Jennings. He's he's a buddy of mine too. He's he's actually a, a vet. And he's, shout out to you, man. Yeah, thanks for your service. Thank you, man. So he just had surgery. Uh, he had some injuries from from overseas, but he's uh, he just had surgery. He's up and going again. I think he's shooting a bow again now, though. So really? really? I think so. I think he's back up and rolling. So, so I, I don't know. He probably doesn't need my help that much. <laughs> but I'd be happy to. <laughs> yeah. Ron Shaper said, uh, bow fish in the afternoon. There we go. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, we'll end on this. Uh, what's one thing you want to ask us? That's we never We've never asked that question, I don't think. One thing I want to ask you. Hmm. Nothing. All right. That's the end of the show. I think the the battery on my phone's dying. This is huge to me. I've been wondering this for a long time. Which is your favorite pro wrestler? (laughs) I hear it every time. I'll go first. I don't have one. (laughs) It's Steve. Steve, what is it? This could be a really hard decision for him. Depends on on the situation. In-ring is Shawn Michaels. Uh, just all time, it's a tie between Steve Austin and Ric Flair. But uh, I think right now, I think it's Shinsuke. You said three people so far. I, th- so. I think it's Shinsuke Nakamura right now. What? I haven't even seen yeah. it. I don't even know. Who I'm more of a Jimmy what... Superfly Snuka guy. Oh, R.I.P. Superfly. Yeah, Superfly, brother. <laughs> I'm old school. <laughs> I don't uh, know any of this. Rowdy means. Roddy Piper stuff. Like oh, that. R.I.P. Roddy Piper. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like all the ones that passed away. Apparently, yeah, right. Andre no, the Giant, right. Macho yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah, they're all all good. Macho Man probably was one of my. Favorites. Oh, I would just say if I had to pick one, I'd say Stone Cold because the way he drinks beer is, is hilarious. And he's yeah. a bow hunter too. He, hunts, he is yeah. a bow hunter. Absolutely. So that's that's good. No, uh, my next more serious question would be, I don't know, uh, if you guys were going to go hunting for one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Is it, can that be like dream hunt? Yeah. But like, that's the only thing we get to hunt? Yeah, like this is pick your species. You're living in one area, and you just gotta. Oh, I'm you white. Hunt I'm whitetail. For whitetail, all the way. Whitetail. I don't know because I haven't hunted everything. I, I'm just gonna go because I haven't experienced it, and it just looks awesome to hunt every year. Moose, dude. Yeah, I'm thinking moose be too awesome. because Yukon moose or red stag or elk. Oh, red stags. But good moose, one. moose would be number one. Is this a three option? Yeah, you get to choose three or what? <laughs> yeah, apparently, I like oh, them all. Though, so, I'm thinking personally, elk. After being on an elk hunt, I love turkey hunting. I just love the run and gun style, and I love whitetails. And that's right. like a combination of both on steroids. But stag could be in there somewhere. Stag would be fun. I've never 
been stag hunting, but I, I'm a man. But that, that says you can never whitetail hunt again, right? Yeah. yeah. That's one species That's for like the you rest gotta of your life. That's like you got to pick where you're going to hunt. Right. You got your vacations. You're going to hunt one thing. That's uh, I don't know. I've never done moose. I yeah. would just. I mean, yeah. If I could only hunt whitetails for the rest of my life, I'd be cool with it. Yeah. I would so too. I just I, I couldn't pick, but my dream hunt is moose. So I'm assuming that. Uh, but I might go moose hunting one day and absolutely hate it. Yeah. Yeah. You never <laughs> yeah. know. You know. Yeah. But. But. Yeah, Matt's his doesn't even count. His Matt was snow geese. Just any geese. Oh, any geese. <laughs> Both geese. Yeah. Both, Both geese. geese. All He's the got geese. the goose bug. And yeah, he does. It just breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, Clark, yeah. what have we missed this episode? Anything you want to add? Any shout-outs you want to get I, out? I don't think so. I think I think we're doing good. Uh, it's fun. You spread a lot of knowledge. We had kind of a rough start with mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> our uh, technology here in the studio. Between Facebook yeah. Live and the computer, not wanting to cooperate. And yeah, we better wrap this up soon so I don't lose battery. Are you going low there? <laughs> I'm okay. not sure. Thanks for everyone in Facebook Live land. Thanks okay. for everyone in podcast land. What's up, Eric? Uh, our discount code. Lynch Mob Calls. Yep. Working Class 15, get 15% off calls. Solid Broadheads, the decap, shipping for free yep. right now. That's and that's right. without a code even, the that's, shipping for free. Yeah. Just call and order them. So check it out. Tis the yeah. season, get you some turkey stuff. Also, check out a, an elite bow. Go to a dealer near you. The tempo, just saying, boys and girls, that the it's brown, but I'm calling it bronze. It's uh, <laughs> it's awfully pretty, and it shoots like a dream. I want to check that out, too. Okay, you know what to do. Go till, go till, go kill a turkey. Go till, then. <laughs> and go shoot your bow. Thanks. We love you. <laughs>